everyone, and welcome to the Balanced Purpose Podcast. My name is Ray Trevino, and I am your host. Each week, we will explore the essential elements of living a fulfilling, balanced, and meaningful life. Our podcast brings together entrepreneurs, business executives, coaches, and everyday people like you and me who have seen challenges and have overcome adversities to create success and find balance in their lives. Whether you're a young professional seeking to make an impact in your career, a parent looking to balance work and family life, or a retiree seeking to create a new purpose, our podcast is something for everyone. So join us as we delve into the world of living a balanced and purposeful life and discover how you can create a life of balance and purpose for yourself. Today's guest is Dr. Brent Fessler, principal at Integrators and co-founder of Connected Coworking. Brent's mission is to lead companies and professionals to discover and integrate their greater purpose. Brent, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ray. You got it. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and also something that our listeners may not know about you? Sure. I like to start with my family. I've been married to my wife, Kirsten, for almost 26 years now. We've got four kids and we, as my wife puts it, we are empty nesting. It's a process. We've got like three of the four kids that are on their way out. One's still in high school at home. And I think they're the greatest fruit that we bear in in our lives. And so we love the kids. Three of our kids are biological and our fourth is adopted. And so adoption is a huge part of our lives and our identity and our purpose. I did my undergrad in engineering and spent about 10 years building signal intelligence systems. That was a fun season of my life. Really enjoyed it. Was planning on just doing that for the rest of my life and did some project work for a local university. And once I got around education, something just resonated in me and just really felt the tug to leave the engineering world and get into education. There was something about, I think, just seeing people's lives change instead of like a piece of equipment. And so I think that just pulled me into education. So Brett, that's quite the shift from engineering to education. And you made a valid point watching somebody's life change in front of you. Is there a specific moment or an example that you could give us that kind of led you to the switch? So a few things. I think generally I started feeling the tug like, oh, wow, this is really cool. I think one of those moments was going to graduation. So I was just doing some project work, but said, hey, come to graduation. And they have student speeches there from each of the different departments at the university. This was a non-traditional university and started hearing these stories. You know, I'm a single parent and this has been transformative for me or my life changed over the last couple of years while I was at school already got a job offer. You know, my life's not about my career, but this has been transformative for me and my kids. That was like, wow. I mean, you see in a pretty short time, uh, somebody's life be affected by your work. I think in engineering, I knew that was happening, but you were disconnected from seeing that kind of fruit from your work. And something just went off in me. My dad's an educator, you know, it's in the family. So it wasn't like a huge jump, I guess, except that growing up around education, that was the thing I said, I am not doing that because I'd probably seen enough of the behind the curtain and that sort of thing. And so it was surprising for me that I really felt that tug, but it was a big shift for sure. Now, you currently are principal at Integrators. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we're a consulting firm. And what we do is we help companies integrate their culture more into their companies, into their people and their employees. And we also have a program that focuses on employee flourishing. Really, both of those focuses, or foci, as I might call it, are really identity work. You heard my mission statement, help Mm -hmm. people and companies better understand who they are and become that. 
and to me, that's what culture work is in a company. We say we have these values. We say we have this mission, vision. They're on our website, but is that the only place that they are? Sometimes with a company, that's the only place where you see the values is on the website. They're not actually in the office. They're not actually in the people. And so I use adult character formation approaches and techniques to help get those values off the website, off the lobby wall, get it into the people, get in their policies and so on. And really the employee flourishing work is the same thing. We help now the individual better understand who am I? Why am I here? Why am I on this planet? And now that I understand that, how can I be that more consistently on a daily basis, on a moment by moment basis? So that's the work that we do with integrators. And I've got a backstory on how I got into that because leaving the university into that is an interesting story. Well, let's hear it. You brought it up, Dr. Fessler. Yeah. So one of my jobs early on at the university was really working on long-term succession and viability of the university. In a hundred years, we want to be able to tell that this is the same place, the same mission, the same purpose, the same values, the same outcomes. So generations separated from anybody who was here, we wanted that likelihood to be there. And so basically had to codify this identity. You had to get out of the founder's head and heart things that people couldn't see. Maybe they could see the behaviors and decisions and things and try to interpolate what that identity is. But through basically a long season, got those things out of the senior leaders and the founder's head and heart and got it on the paper. One of my favorite proverbs says, uh, write the vision down and make it plain so that they can run with it who read it. And so that was really how I approached that was getting that out. Well, The mission statement, which had been around for a while, said, for this institution, we develop superior skills, knowledge, and character. Well, this is my engineering head. It's like, oh, here's my compliance description right here. There's my requirements, right? We've got to build a black box that produces superior skills, knowledge, and character. We need to measure those things. And then we need a feedback loop that makes them better, improvement, right? That's how engineers think. And so we ask about the skills, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, here's how we measure skills. Here's how we get better at it and improve our process ask about knowledge and like, yeah, here's how we do that. And we measure it this way and, and that sort of thing. And then ask about character. And it was just like, uh, well, we're people of character. And, you know, so when people come, you know, students come and they hang out around us, pretty sure they're going to grow in their character. You know, so, so basically the intentionality, the uh, rigor, the discipline, the budget, the requirements, um, all that maturity was not there for the character but it was for the skills and knowledge. So like, okay, so as an institution, we know how to do this kind of thing. We just need to apply that same maturity and discipline to developing superior character. Well, that kind of fell in my lap to run with that and lead it. And so going down that road, discovered there's not very many people looking at adult character formation. There's quite a few looking at like K-12, adolescent character formation and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I really discovered my passion in developing adult character and helped build a program at the university. Employers took notice. They said, your graduates are different than what we hire from other institutions. Where do you find these people? And we're like, well, we're finding the people in the same place. There's something magic happening at the institution. And so just began listening to that. And it was kind of like when I went from engineering to education, I felt a similar call. This, what we've discovered here, needs to go out to the companies. Because there's a whole population out there of adults that are not going to come to our college. And so really felt that call. 
to take that work out to the companies directly. And so that's how Integrators was born. And Integrators is spelled funny. Um, it's uh, the greater part of Integrators really comes from greater purpose. And so we're really trying to integrate greater purpose and discover that, but integrate that in people's lives and the employees' lives and in the companies themselves. So that's like kind of backstory of my journey, part of the journey. There's lots more pieces to it, but that's how I've gotten from engineering to education to now the work with integrators. What a fascinating story, especially with integrators, taking it out of the university and bringing it to businesses. Do you work with businesses of all sizes or is there a, a specific niche that you have? You know, I, as I was starting it up, I was advised you need to find your niche and uh, industry or, or things like that. And I really haven't found that niche yet. Uh, the smallest company I've been working with has 10 or 12 employees. The largest has 600 and working on prospects that have two and 3,000 employees because the, the, we're trying to make the work that we do scale. Mm-hmm. So the, the size-wise, yeah, it goes all over the place. And I'll say one of the things that we have to solve as a business model is there's a, there's a very unique but critical piece of our approach that is difficult to scale. So we do this workshop that's easy to scale. You can record it, you can put it on video, you can put it in a learning management system, you can lecture, you know, 100 people at a time, give them the workbooks and things. But we insist on doing a one-on-one with every employee twice. Because the premise of our approach to employee flourishing is that you need to understand your purpose. You need to understand and articulate, this is why I'm on the planet. I need to understand my meaning if I'm going to be able to pursue it intentionally. Because our purpose and our meaning, as important and valuable as it is, it does not come with deadlines like so many other things in life. Taxes come with deadlines. They get done eventually, right? Or we go to jail, right? There's consequences. Our emails that come in our inbox, they come with deadlines, Things at work come with deadlines, but often the most important things in our life, they don't come with deadlines. You know, things like our, our health, eventually a deadline shows up maybe when we get sick in the hospital and we get, you know, woken up with that. Even, you know, addictions and things, they maybe sometimes show up with deadline, but for the time that they don't, there's not really consequence and things and we just kind of live, live life. And so the first step to really pursuing that life of purpose is articulating it, you know, getting it clear. This is why I'm here. And we have discovered that there's really a low completion rate. There's a low success rate when you hand somebody the tools and say, here you go. DIY your own purpose statement, your own mission statement. Very few people are going to walk down that journey and take the tools themselves. It's really one of those critical places where you need a coach. You need somebody to sit alongside you, to walk alongside with you, to listen, to help you process, help you excavate. We call it excavating. I want you to excavate all these elements of who you are through these tools, get them out on the table, but you've never put together a a mission statement or a purpose statement, just like you've probably never written a song, right? If you've never written a song before, it looks easy. It's easy to sing a song, right? It's easy to listen to a song. It's easy to dance to the song. Once it's there, once it's written, once it's recorded, but to write that song, that's something a little different. And so we kind of see ourselves as songwriters. We want to help you write your song, but we want to listen first. And so we get these excavation tools to get all these pieces out there. And so that's, that's a difficult part to scale that we're going to have to sit one-on-one with every one of your employees, but we've got a bench. We've got a group of coaches that are trained with it. Some of them are artists that are used to writing and, and doing poetry and that type of thing, because you want these statements to be concise and powerful, have some really strong words in them and that sort of thing. So that's kind of size-wise, our limiting is, is figuring out how to scale that more and in the, on those one-on-one sessions. 
as far as industry goes, we've really been trying to stretch the envelope. So we've got your typical white collar insurance, engineering, technical staff, manufacturing, all the way to frontline, restaurant, blue collar entry level, maintenance. It's all over the map as far as industry and uh, what we might consider demographic of people, age, generation. The unique thing about us, really trying to listen and understand who you are. Mm-hmm. And part of that comes out of your mouth, right? That comes out of your mouth, how you describe the most difficult things in life. This is the worst thing that ever happened to me. And, and as people describe those things, how they responded to them, how they have the resilience, how they rebounded, how they healed and those things, you start to hear the elements of their purpose for, for being here. Because part of our I think philosophy to this is the the hardest things that we've gone through, the the most difficult things that we've gone through, they not only reveal who we are, you know, kind of like when you, when you squish an orange, like that's how you know what's inside the orange is when you squish the thing. So that pressure reveals who we are, but it also forms us. And and there's a redemptive quality to that pressure, that trauma, the the difficulty that we go through this concept. It's a, it's an old concept uh, from, from my faith as, as a, a Christian, that there is this idea of healing where captivity can be turned into freedom. And it's something that I don't just become free, but I'm now equipped to bring freedom to others because I used to be in captivity. And we see that in people, right? We see the people who tend to go into things like social work are those who experienced a great social worker, right? So they experienced the tragedy and the difficulty of that. But now that they've gone through it themselves, they now are naturally equipped to bring that fruit to others. And so that's kind of our process. And you can't just hand somebody a worksheet or an assessment and out pops my mission statement. It really does take a human listening and, and helping them navigate that journey. Uh, so anyway, that came out of your question about what niche we, we address as a company. Well, you touched on a lot of things and I love what you do. I mean, finding a person's greater purpose is going to be individual to each person because you're right. We all carry our own traumas. We have our own backstory. And it is what defines us. So now I'd like to move on to Dr. Fessler. You do a lot of work with a lot of people and you probably carry that load. How do you balance it all? Four kids, a wife, connected, integrators, friends. How do you find balance? That is a great question. It's something that I've tried to answer in different ways over the years. I've tried to actually reframe the idea of balance. If you think about balance on a seesaw, you kind of need half over here and half over here. I actually like to think of it as, and it's the name of our company, as more integration. And so the more integrated I can make my life, really the less balance I need. And so if I can, instead of trying to keep this part of my life over here and this part of my life over here and try to keep those in balance, the more I can integrate things, the, the better. And so you can't do that completely. Like my kids are not here at work with me, but I do get to share things about my work. Well, actually, I, I take that back. I've got a couple of my kids here today <laughs> at work today. <laughs> and especially as an engineer, I used to kind of keep work completely off the table. Part of it was I was doing some classified work. And so for me as a guy who doesn't like to talk a lot, you know, at the end of the day, my words are spent. I love the excuse, you know, telling my wife, you know, we were having dinner. I'm sorry if I told you I'd have to kill you. And it was like a free (laughs) pass for me, but it wasn't a healthy thing. Honestly, she was interested. She was curious. And so we we ended up kind of having a compartmentalized life. I don't know that a completely balanced compartmentalized where I give 10% here and 8% here and 10% here. I don't know that that's necessarily the healthy approach, at least for me. So I've been trying wherever I can integrate my life more, integrate my spirituality in all the places of my life, especially in dimensions. I don't think you should balance 
spirituality and cognitive and outside things. I think those, especially dimensions, should be integrated. So the things that I do when I, when I do go out with friends, they should go as deep as they can so that my heart is getting to share in all the parts of my life. My head is getting to share in all the parts of my life and my body and things on the outside are getting to share in all the parts. And so I don't know, that, that's kind of an interesting answer, but I, I do measure it often. And so maybe to get to the specifics and the logistics, mm-hmm. I've created my own dashboard that reflects this integration. Because from a balanced perspective, there are definitely things in my life that don't happen unless I get them onto uh, some accountability piece. Like a to-do? Like a to-do, yeah. And I basically have a personal dashboard. I basically write it fresh every month and I update my scores every week. So that's my personal rhythm. For example, there's a section on each of my kids individually. One of them's louder than the others. So that one gets the attention naturally, but the quiet ones don't. Mm-hmm. And so if I don't bring voice to them by putting them on my dashboard, they are going to tend to not get as much of my attention. And so for each kid every week, I want to have at least one specific and intentional moment where I got to connect with that kid, something deep, not just, hey, how's it going? All right, cool. And I also, from my faith standpoint, I want to pray for each of my kids. And so that's what my dashboard looks like. Did I pray for each of my kids that I connect with them this week? And maybe that's not even enough. And, you know, honestly, it's definitely be more than once. And it usually is. But that at least keeps me in that groove with the kids. And so I've got those kinds of dashboards for my health, my exercise, my diet, my community. I've got a group of friends that I want to be intentional about meeting with them on a regular basis. Some people I'm trying to be intentional about mentoring. And so for me, that balance is really defined by this personal scorecard that I've developed. I think that's the engineer in you. It is. Yeah, that actually is perfect. Your balance is integrated into your life. So your life, therefore, is balanced. It's a great explanation. It's a great way to live. And and I love it. So thank you for sharing that. Now, you work with a lot of people in defining their purpose. How do you define purpose in your life? I really love to talk about purpose in terms of fruit. So there's a few answers to that. I love a maturity model. We see it in our kids, right? So in the physical standpoint, we're born, we have to have everything done for us. I don't do anything for anybody else. All I do is take. And I talk about this in some of our workshops, actually. You come out of the womb taking and taking, right? I don't even know how to tell you I'm hungry. I don't even know how to tell you what I need, much less provide for my own needs. And the only thing I ever give or provide to anybody is a pile of crap right? A diaper, right? <laughs> and, and we joke around it because we've all worked around these people, right? We've all been around these people, maybe even, you know, been family members or something where all they do is take and take. And the only thing they ever give you is a pile of crap, you know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a funny moment, but it's, it's this idea of maturity that we move from this thing where we take, ultimately now I can care for myself as an adolescent, start to, as an adult, take care and produce value for others, starting to do things and serve and things like that. But then we reproduce, we bear fruit. Now I've got my own kids, right? And now it's my job to now help somebody else go through that process and become mentors and parents, both in a literal and a figurative sense. So I think our purpose should match that. Our purpose should not be to consume, should not be focused on achievement, should not be focused on how much stuff have I amassed, right? That's kind of in that young, immature model, right? Of how much stuff can I take and get compared with, I think everybody's purpose ultimately gets to how much have I loved? How much have I served? How much have I changed or transformed somebody? How much have I reproduced, helped somebody heal, helped somebody through the same things that I went through? And so purpose for me generally gets defined in terms of that. So the doing that we do, 
is others focused. But I also like that our purpose is not just in doing, it's also in being. So that can especially be in a relationship that's not transactional. Being a son, continuing to be a son or a daughter, you know, being in that relationship where my value and my worth is not defined by what I do. It's just by who I am. So that's more of that inherent value. And I think as an individual, we need to be both aware of our inherent value as a person and others and clearly define how we bear fruit in others. Well, that's a great answer. Now, in today's fast-paced world, there's, there's a lot of darkness around us. People are getting pulled in many different directions. How do you keep away from the noise and manage to keep yourself grounded with everything you have going on? I mean, I'm sure there are a ton of distractions that can easily pull you away. But how does Dr. Fessler stay engaged, stay focused, and continue on with his purpose? We need tools. I think we should use tools. And you commented about my engineering brain. It's not just an engineering brain. It's a sports brain, too. When do you ever play a sport and there's no scoreboard out there, even if it's just something that we're keeping track of? It defines the rules of the game. It defines what a win is. It defines what our goal is. And it drives all the activity out on the court or wherever that game is being played. We keep looking at that scoreboard. And if we have the wrong scoreboard, if we just take the scoreboard somebody gives us, we may end up playing the wrong game. And so I like to say we measure what we treasure, but we naturally also treasure what we measure. So whatever we choose to measure, we're going to place value on that. There's a few reasons. One, it becomes important to me. But two, if that scorecard is visible to others, there's this natural accountability that happens to that. If we don't intentionally create that scorecard, whatever that looks like, Um, for us. It doesn't have to be in your planner like mine. It can be a number of things. It may just be in your head. Um, It may be a vision board, right? Maybe there's lots of ways to have a scorecard out there. But if we don't do that, like you said, there's these pressures. People are shoving scorecards in our face all the time. This is how I'm measuring you. This is what I need from you. Here's your deadline. And our purpose ends up getting defined from outside of us. If we are not very intentional about defining our purpose from the inside out. This is, again, the engineering work, and we do free body diagrams, and forces have to balance out. Um, If there's an imbalance in a force, wherever force there's an imbalance, that's going to define the direction of movement. If you're pushing one way with five pounds and you're pushing another way with 10 pounds, that 10 pounds is going to win every time, all day. And so the forces coming from the outside have to be superseded by the force that's on the inside. That's why we have to be very intentional about here's what our purpose is, here's how I'm measuring it, here's all the tools that I need. I need people around me to help me be accountable. I need coaches to help push me towards this because if I don't, those forces on the outside are going to overwhelm me and I'm just going to be along for the ride. And that's the thing. Gravity tends to go down. You do nothing, you're not going to like the outcome. It's not like flipping a coin and you get heads half the time and tails half the time. (laughs) That's not how the statistics work. It's something probably more like 80-20. 80% of the time, if you do nothing, you're not going to like the outcome. And maybe it's closer to 100. It's just the way gravity works. And so along that same line, in today's world, there are many people out there struggling to find their meaning, their purpose in lives. What's some advice that you would give someone out there who's listening today that is struggling to find theirs? Uh, One, start with this mindset. My life should be invested, not spent. I can end up with more value at the end of my life than what I started with. And so look to improve, invest, increase value with your life. Second, what should I be investing that in? Well, that should be invested in the most valuable things on the planet. 
And what's the most valuable things on the planet? This is a question I ask every single workshop I'm in. The answers are interesting. They answer with things like time or the environment or water and things like that. But as we keep probing a little bit more, we ultimately land on people. People are the most valuable thing on the planet. So if our life should be invested, it should be invested in the most valuable thing, which is people. So that's the general thing to start with. Remember that your purpose is going to look something like that in general. In specifics, what my unique purpose is, we look at the best things and the worst things. And so one of our most valuable tools that we use in our process is a timeline where you're looking at over your entire life, what were the best things that ever happened to me? What are the worst things that ever happened to me? And those are defining moments. The way we see the world changes in those moments. For me, adoption was one of those things, is one of those things. It was a moment, but it is a big, long moment that's lasted for years and decades. And looking at that hardest thing that I've been through, the trauma, the difficulty, the challenges, and seeing what those are producing in me, that is very likely going to be the fruit that I will be able to produce in others. That's my purpose, right? So that's in general what I would encourage people to do. Remember, my life is going to be about people, not about stuff. Mm -hmm. Think with the end in mind, write a letter from 80-year-old self to yourself today and say, this is what's important. This is what's not important. This is what's true. You should believe in this. You should stop listening to this. And this is what your life should be about. And starting with that end in mind, is like one of the seven habits, right? You're thinking, here's what I want on my obituary. Here's what I want to be remembered for. Here's the fruit that I want in my life. And maybe it starts very general. And this is especially true if you're young, like teenagers, 20s. I have no idea, right? Most of us go through significant career changes mm -hmm. two or three times. You, you may not be able to define with specificity right now today, but start generally. Start with the specifics that you do know. They're going to change over the next season because you're going to face some big challenges in the next decade. That's going to redefine or kind of add to areas where you can bear fruit. And as you get older and older, those things converge more and more. For example, I've been able to integrate my life as a musician, especially my role at church, leading worship. I love doing that. Love doing that at church. My role as an adoptive parent, my experience as a leader, my experience as an engineer, I see pieces from all of those things. Some of them were hard and difficult and traumatic. Some of them were beautiful and just nothing but joy that I remember from those things. But all of those pieces go into my understanding of my purpose now. It takes time. And, and honestly, it's not easy. It sounds easy. For me, I had to go through cycles trying to remember. I have big gaps on my timeline of hard things and, and great things. There's just parts of my life where I just don't remember details. And that's not mm -hmm. a healthy thing. So it takes time to go back. And I needed somebody to help me remember those things. I needed a coach. I needed a therapist to help me remember some of those things. But now, instead of being scars and ugly parts of my life, mm -hmm. they are now fruit bearing, right? It's turned into being like an ugly branch to becoming something that's green and has fruit on it. And that's, that's all great. I, as an advocate of therapy and coaching, have gone through therapy as well and worked on traumas that have helped me remember things that I forgot even happened. I can't rave more about, if you're out there listening, to, to find a coach, a therapist, in, in no, matter, in, no matter what it is. But Brent, we have been able to gain many insights and takeaways from this conversation today. Um, I... I'm going to use the phrase, my life should be invested, not spent a lot. So if you hear me say that, don't get mad at me. It belongs to you. 
And of course, we measure what we treasure, but we treasure what we measure. Those are all great, valid points. And I thank you for that. If our listeners wanted to get to know more about you and your services, is there a website or email they can go to and contact you? Yeah, they can go to our our website, integrators.com. Remember, it's spelled funny. Also, (laughs) we started a co-working space called Connected. It's also spelled funny. It's K-I-N-E-C-T-E-D. So kind of like kinetic and connected all mashed up. We're trying to build a place where people work that really embraces the things that we talked about. We want professionals here that are embracing their greater purpose in their work. And so come hang out, grab some coffee with us here. If you're in San Antonio, come by Connected and hang out that way or go to our website at integrators.com. I'll also uh, attach the websites and a little bit about them to our show notes. That way, if any listeners want to log on to balancepurposepodcast.com, they can find you there. Thank you so much for being a part of our show today. We've really enjoyed this episode. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate you. Balanced Purpose Podcast was created and hosted by me, Ray Trevino, and is produced and edited by Nick Galtney. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Check us out at balancedpurposepodcast.com and on Instagram at balancedpurposepodcast. Remember, finding your purpose is a journey, not a destination, and it takes time and effort to achieve balance. Make it a great day.